Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. Welcome everyone. My name is John McMullen and I'm the marketing director here at MBI. Today I'm talking with Rich Rizicki, CEO at Crate Modular. Rich is here to talk about Crate's recent efforts to bring steel framed modular projects to market and about the advantages that automation can offer modular manufacturers. Rich, thanks for being here. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast today. I'm excited about it. Well, me too. Uh, let's uh, let's kick it off. Tell me about yourself, uh, Rich. What what led you to Crate Modular? So I started my career off as a construction lawyer and um, in the process of representing general contractors, subcontractors, governmental agencies, I ended up uh, moving in-house to uh, champion uh, home builders. And after a period of time there working primarily as attorney, took over their commercial group and uh, ended up leading that group through uh, the Marriott Modular Initiative and, and began working with with. Uh, Marriott Hotels, and then ultimately uh, moved on to Z Modular, which was a steel-based startup um, that uh, had a proprietary connection technology that allowed us to build really precision-based steel structures. And then, um, you know, as my career progressed and as Z Modular grew, the, you know, there became some pronounced opportunities for modular that existed, especially in some uh, markets like California that uh, have an acute need for housing and construction solutions. And, uh, you know, a company like Crate that is located uh, right in the thick of things, about 20 minutes from downtown Los Angeles, mm -hmm. uh, was a very attractive uh, option here. And, and so uh, here I am now with Crate Modular. I've been here about a year. And um, as you correctly noted, uh, we're making a transition from uh, a container-based solution, which we were known for, uh, to a more custom, uh, dimensionally flexible, uh, steel-based modular solution. Well, that's excellent. You've been all over the place. So that's, a, that's a, an exciting history. I'm sure you're bringing a lot to Crate. So let's talk about uh, your, your move into steel. Tell me about Crate's recent inclusion uh, of, of light gauge steel. Uh, how was that decision made and, and what kind of steel frame projects are you working on? So it was really a customer-led uh, decision. Uh, we had a customer approach us and asked us if we'd be willing to think outside of our container solution and uh, develop a, a steel-based modular solution. And so just you know, kind of looking at the market and, and understanding uh, the economics of container-based building, we thought that you know, this was a good client that we wanted to grow with and that uh, this product type of building steel-based module solutions was where we think the company is going to go. And so uh, our first project, which we're currently building, is a four-story uh, multifamily apartment project. Uh, it's right here in the uh, heart of Los Angeles. And that's the first of what we think are going to be uh, many projects. We have another one that we're going to be building here in the late fall uh, that we're also excited about. And, and honestly, we think it's the future. We think that the opportunity exists to, to really be able to build, you know, light gauge metal structures from say four stories and under to uh, hybrid steel solutions that we can uh, provide mid-rise and high-rise steel modular uh, solutions for. Awesome. So uh, as you mentioned, Crate uh, traditionally has been a container-based uh, sort of company, and now you're moving into steel. How? What challenges uh, have you faced with steel framing? You know, with containers, the frame is sort of inherent in the structure, but now you're building your own. Uh, what challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? Yeah, so um, 
for us, the transition from a container-based solution to a build-your-own module solution hasn't really been that big of a transition. And, and that's because as Crate grew, we started building taller, you know, multifamily and education structures that were, you know, four plus stories. And, you know, when you're doing that with a container, you have to do a lot of structural reinforcements. So there's welding, there's, uh, you know, additions of support that, that need to be added. And so uh, as we looked at things and, and really as we looked at the types of projects we were building, we thought that potentially we could come up with a more economical solution. And so when our customer came to us and said, you got this opportunity, we looked at it and jumped at it. And so the challenges that we've faced have really been more in the, um, you know, as we look at more and more of these, these steel-based projects, the challenges are really in the standardization of the designs and the assemblies. And so what I mean by that is really fire assemblies. Um, you know, there's not a host of, you know, standardized, approved, UL-listed, modular-rated fire assemblies. And so that leads to different interpretations of the code and potentially different uh, details that a design team may put into the project to achieve a certain fire rating. And so, you know, what we're seeing is the need to try to bring some standards around that. And that is one of the reasons why we are moving towards the creation of a log, which is essentially a rules-based design catalog that we're developing that has a lot of the information that anyone, a design team would need to be able to lay out a building around crate system. Hmm. Uh, and so what that would include is Revit models that have the options for, you know, your wall assemblies, floor assemblies, uh, structural connections, uh, all of the things that, you know, kind of are a mystery to uh, a lot of folks when you go into working on the design of a modular structure. Essentially, what we're doing is trying to take that information, do the upfront research, and be able to provide that to clients so that we can serve in a design assist capacity that helps them really get a project designed efficiently around our system, but also on the back end helps drive the uh, standardization of our product and ultimately increases the throughput through our facility. I think that's a great idea. It's an outstanding resource, outstanding marketing piece. Uh, really, I'd love to see a copy whenever it's completed. Go back to your history a little bit. You've been all around the modular uh, industry, and I know you've been doing some speaking lately. Uh, so I wanted to ask about how to start manufacturing for offsite. Let's use crates, inclusion of steel framing uh, uh, as an example. What can you tell other manufacturers who want to start building uh, for offsite construction? Where do they start and uh, what should they be focusing on? Sure, I, that's a great question. Uh, where you got to start is the product. You have to have a product that is designed because you need to set all of your company up or all of your manufacturing operations up around that product that you've designed. And so really what I call that is nailing it before you scale it. Um, you know, you need to figure out, okay, you know, what are the dimensions going to be? What are the assemblies going to be? What are the order of uh, construction that you're going to perform and how are those processes going to play out across your production line and everything really ties back to how the product is designed because you know in my experience what we've seen when you run into production issues on the floor you know there's a couple of explanations for it but a lot of times it comes back to the fact that maybe there was a detail that hadn't been thought through or there was more information need to, needed in order to properly complete a installation 
uh, of a material item. So really, it, it's all about going back to having that product that is standardized because then at the end of the day, you can set not only your operations up, but you can set the future of your company up around, around that product because the more you standardize, the more you can eventually automate and the easier things become. Are there major differences between setting up a factory uh, for wood framing and steel framing or, or framing in general versus a container-based solution like Crate is, is known for? Yeah, there's a, there are differences. Um, you know, take Crate, for example, um, the transition from uh, containers to uh, hybrid and light-gauge metal structures. Um, that impacted the, uh, the initial portions of our line and the, really the end of our line as well. So in the initial portions with containers, you're doing a lot of demo work. You're having to go in the container and, and add structural steel versus uh, what we're doing now where we have jigs, where we build the, the frame, the structural frame in those. Uh, we have walls, uh, jigs that we build uh, wall assemblies offline and then crane them into place. So, so that has changed a little bit. And then, you know, the, the, the end of the line changes in the sense that uh, with containers, you have uh, really a built-in uh, facade with the corrugated metal that's inherent in those. Uh, with, you know, the, the modules where you're building them, you have to figure out, okay, what is your exterior sheathing, uh, insulation, and potentially facade system going to require? So it does, you know, require you to think around, okay, what are you doing uh, that you weren't doing before? So, you know, that's a good example. And then really from, from wood frame, you know, in my experience, especially with Champion, with wood frame, you can really crank out a high amount of volume because it's a little less precise. Um, the way that you can go about completing your, your order of assemblies is a little bit different. And it's a different product type. Um, there's different, you know, requirements that, that you have in the building code because wood is a type five building product. And um, you're not necessarily dealing with, you know, non-combustible type you know, assemblies and things like that, which are going to change your production processes. So you mentioned, you mentioned sequencing. Uh, t tell me how a factory should be laid out. Obviously putting things in sequential order makes sense. Uh, you know, it's a factory setting, but what else do I need to know if, if I'm making my first offsite factory? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things really. It's the, the fact that again, going back to the product, you got to be able to set your supply chain up about uh, around that. And then how does that supply chain get distributed to the floor? So really going back to um, standardizing that product is going to dictate the layout. It's going to dictate uh, how you uh, consume materials. It's going to dictate how you stage and how you deliver. Um, so there's a lot that goes in, into that, uh, that piece of the equation. And I know uh, you mentioned this earlier, automation. Uh, is something that is certainly becoming huge in, in the modular industry. What advantages does automation offer from a manufacturer's point of view? Yeah, well, obviously it provides the ability to enhance your production throughput of certain assemblies. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes without saying, but it also allows you to um, do a couple of things. You get an extremely precise product because it ends up allowing you to uh, maybe have a higher level of quality control. Um, given the fact that it's being done by a robot. Um, the other thing is, is that uh, it allows you to reallocate your workforce. So to the extent that you introduce automation, 
Uh, one of the things that I think is important when you're setting up a manufacturing plant is the ability to cross-train your workers so that um, if you uh, have bottlenecks in the line, you have the ability to rebalance it. And so um, that's one thing that uh, automation allows is you to be able to reallocate those human resources across other areas of the line that are not automated that maybe are your bigger bottlenecks. And, you know, the other thing is too, and is one of those things that I guess from a sales perspective, you look at it when you bring customers through, there's, there's really no better salesperson than a robot. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, from that perspective, it does have uh, some benefits as well. So going, going back to, to Crate's inclusion of steel, just for a moment, how did you guys have to change your factory to account for steel construction, whereas before you were dealing you know, primarily with containers? So we didn't necessarily have to adjust our workforce. What we had to do is adjust our processes. So uh, rather than cutting apart a container in station one, we built jigs. Uh, we're laying out steel, uh, laying out floor joists, laying out our columns, and then uh, welding that all in place. And so it's in some ways skipping a few steps from our traditional process with containers because we're starting from scratch rather than having to deconstruct something in order to start adding the uh, you know, materials to it that are gonna lead to a finished product. So, so yeah, process is the biggest thing. Um, at the end of the day, what we've seen is that, you know, whether it's a wood product, whether it's a steel product, whether it's a container product, your bottlenecks are gonna be the, the things that really aren't available to automation yet. It's gonna be your drywall, it's gonna be your tile work, uh, and it's gonna be things like potentially flooring, but, you know, the things that you can automate, the framing, uh, the welding, you know, those are all really good opportunities to, to increase and enhance your, your throughput and your quality. Uh, but at the end of the day, if your product's not standardized, the automation ends up being, you know, in, in a lot of ways, uh, less efficient than what maybe human, uh, your human resources are able to produce. Well, I appreciate you bringing us uh, back to automation. I took us on a little detour there, but I've uh, another question for you. Is there a reason why uh, a manufacturer would not want to incorporate some form of automation into their factory's workflow? Yeah, definitely. I think it depends on what you're building and uh, the volume of production that you're anticipating out of your facility. Smaller facilities, lower volume, more bespoke products, those probably lend themselves less to automation than uh, high volume, repetitive type uh, products. You know, I think that's where at the end of the day it can make the most sense. And really the, the uh, theory that you know, we subscribe to at Crate is incremental automation. Our plan is to um, you know, be able to standardize our product to the degree that we can uh, and then be able to uh, do that around a design for manufacturing process, which will then ultimately lend itself to the incremental automation that will help drive the ultimate throughput in our facility. So you mentioned incremental automation. I like that term. Would you recommend, uh, if you had the choice, sort of an all-in attitude with automation, or do you like the incremental automation that you guys are doing now? You know, honestly, I think the incremental automation, at least from my perspective, is the best approach. Hmm. Um, and the reason being that even once you introduce those robots, um, depending on what they are, there is going to be somewhat of a learning curve to understand how those operate and then also how they uh, you know, fit into your production process. So um, you know, the approach that, that we're taking is, okay, let's, let's pick something that we know is ripe for automation, say 
for example, uh, like age steel framing. Plenty of machines that do that. It's very, um, you know, relatively easy to introduce. And so that's going to be the first step in our process. But then as we, you know, start to analyze our man hours and, and where we're getting our bottlenecks, and especially now where the market's going with the constant introduction of new technologies, you, we're going to be on that, you know, kind of leading edge of, okay, we, there's a new technology out there. We know we have a bottleneck here. Uh, how do we potentially integrate that new technology to help solve that problem? Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is drive down the cost of building buildings. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the ways of doing that is increased throughput, but also standardized design. So what are some of those new technologies that manufacturers have at their disposal besides automation? And how should they be leveraged uh, for new manufacturers? Yeah, I would say one thing that's not necessarily a new technology, but something that uh, is gaining increased uh, adoption across the modular and prefabrication uh, worlds is is really the BIM modeling. And and BIM modeling, uh, and, and given the advances with it and the fact that uh, companies like Autodesk are working on ways to have various design software uh, and manufacturing software talk together. I think we're on the verge of being at a point where you could design a product, you know, an architect could design it, and then you know we're not too far away from being able to have that automatically convert to some level of shop drawings that uh, are then useful for the plant to be able to be able to produce the the, the modular building. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do with the crater log is be able to take that mystery out of it, be able to give, you know, folks, these are the design standards. And by, you know, working within these rules, we can short circuit what, you know, the shop drawing process, which can sometimes be a lengthy, um, you know, process, depending on how much information is contained in the architectural drawings and structural uh, engineer drawings. So, um, you know, that's one of the ways in, in, that I think can, it's not a necessarily a new technology, but at the end of the day, it's one that I think hasn't been melded well with uh, the manufacturing operations. And that's one of the things that we're trying to drive. But there's also, you know, we're looking at uh, technologies that allow the projection of plans onto the floor so that you can really just take all tape measures, really, in some ways, not all thinking, but that reliance on having some sort of plan that has to be visible, you know, either in paper or on a screen somewhere, it's right there in front of everybody in real time. I've seen articles about those. That's super cool. Yeah. Super cool. What are some stumbling blocks? Maybe what, what's the biggest stumbling block for a new factory? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's getting the people in place, getting them organized and getting them, uh, you know, your processes nailed down about how you're going to put your product together. Um, and along with that goes obviously the supply chain because you can't build anything if you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think one of the most critical things is, and we've talked a lot about design being a critical piece of it, but is getting your supply chain established. Um, and that's one of the ways that the BIM technology can help you get your your supply chain established because of the fact that, you know, the, nowadays you're able to basically do your BIM drawings and it can put a, uh, put together a precise bill of materials, which you know can be digitally tagged to your procurement. And so um, utilizing those technologies to help set up your supply chain uh, is really beneficial. And that's something that we're uh, you know in the process of creating. And 
without your supply chain, especially in today's world where you have lead times that can extend beyond four or five months, mm. uh, it's very critical to being able to get your product out of the door. So that, you know, is if design is one, supply chain is two. And then ultimately number three is your factory layout and the processes you're going to use to go about building your product. So uh, I'm going to uh, wrap up by bringing uh, everything back to, to you guys at Crate. You started at the top of the podcast. You, you told us about some of the new steel projects you're working on. Uh, wh what else uh, is on the horizon at Crate? Are you guys still doing containers? Have you switched completely to, to light gauge steel? Well, what's coming up? Yeah, so we are increasingly building light gauge and hybrid steel solutions. That is our focus going forward. However, we still have container projects that we're building. Mm -hmm. And um, to the extent that uh, our customers want to build container projects, we're certainly uh, willing to entertain that. We've you know, built award-winning projects. We've been doing it for a long time. But we really think that uh, based on the customer feedback, you know, folks we talk to in the market that um, you know, our, our solutions for more dimensionally flexible uh, structures is really going to be driving the business going forward. And I know it's early yet, but you guys presented at uh, MBI's World of Modular a few months back. I hope that was a good experience for you guys. Uh, can we look forward to seeing you in 2023? Definitely. It was a great experience. Uh, we will definitely be there in 2023. I think this year, uh, the World of Modular is in Las Vegas. Is that correct? That's right. At the Bellagio. You can expect to see uh, Craig Contingent uh, re uh, representing us strong there. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, Rich, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming uh, on the show. I look forward to talking with you again soon, and I hope very much to see you uh, at the Bellagio next spring. Great. Thanks, John. It was a pleasure being on. My name is John McMullen, and this has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.